T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's so much more interesting for the listener. Yes, have a point. That's the point of the show. Brad Young in uh, here on Camel X this evening at your service. And this hour, we don't have any uh, we have any interviews at all this hour. So phone lines are open, open topics. I mean, I've got stuff we're going to talk about. In fact, uh, we're going to talk about the lottery some more. What would you do? What would you do if you won this Mega Millions lottery? It's over a billion dollars. I'm going to break down those numbers because that's actually a myth. It's not a billion dollars. So we're going to talk about that and uh, I'm talk about how much goes out for taxes and and how much you would actually get. And so we're going to discuss that this evening. But but just with all of that aside, if all of a sudden you got just this enormous, unimaginable mountain of money, what would you do with it? How would you spend it? How would you handle going from from a regular person to basically having the kind of money that, that the Hollywood elites have, that the Washington elites have? You know, that's the, that's the thing that always, that's always interesting to me, that people who go to Washington, they're making a hundred and something thousand dollars a year, and then they become millionaires doing that. How does that work? Uh, but if you're all of a sudden you're you know you're in the one percenter if you win this lottery, what would you do with the money? Call or text three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. And just to kind of put uh, a bow on our conversation from last hour, one of the things uh, that the that the previous caller wanted to talk about, we didn't have time because we ran up to the end of the show that hour, was that that corporations really cause inflation, not the government. But Economics 101 tells you that that can't happen. In fact, I think it was the great economist Milton Friedman who said corporations can never cause inflation. Why? Very simple, because they operate on supply and demand. If if a company raises their price too much, no one's going to buy their product. And so they have to stay in competition with other companies. So they can't artificially raise their prices uh, because the customers wouldn't buy their product, their goods or services. And furthermore, the money that would go back to a corporation is going to be taxed anyway, because if it goes to the CEOs, it's going to be taxed. If it if it goes to the shareholders, it's going to be taxed. So eventually all that money gets taxed anyway. 
But governments, or rather corporations, don't print money. Only governments do that. And when they print too much money, that's what causes inflation. We saw it in the 70s. We saw the gas lines lining up for cars in the 70s uh, because you had to, you could only gas up your car on every other day or based upon you, the number on your license plate. It was crazy. And that was all call, caused by too much government spending in the 70s. So uh, we know what causes inflation, and it's not corporations. Uh, but, uh, but let's talk for a moment here about the lottery. Because we've all heard this mega millions. It's it's tomorrow. Uh, I know people. I'm not I'm not uh, making fun of anyone who buys lottery tickets, and I'm certainly uh, not uh, talking in a disparaging fashion against you if you do. It's fine. It's free. It's what's freedom. You want to buy a ticket? Go right ahead. God bless you. I hope you win. And if you do win, hope you tithe and give to your church. But uh, but let's talk about those monies. Uh, the the how that money breaks down because I ran the math. And the cash payout of a bill of of a one point zero two billion dollar lottery, it works out to be if you take it all at once, it works out to be about six hundred and two point five million dollars. But that's before taxes. So all of a sudden, you've gone from a billion to a cash payout because everybody takes the cash payout. It goes down to six hundred million, but that doesn't include taxes. So as I looked at these numbers, obviously, if you're going to be raking in $600 million in one year, you're going to be in the top tax bracket. You are a one percenter. And the tax rate, the federal tax rate at that level is 37% taxes. So out of that $600 million, you're going to pay 37% of that in federal taxes. So that's going to come down to... Uh, and, and I'm just going to make some assumptions. I'm not a tax attorney, uh, but if you're a single payer with no additional income, no dependents, no itemized deductions, no huge charitable contributions, that additional tax would be about $79 million on top of that. So now after you take out that 37% top marginal tax and you subtract it, from the federal tax withholding, basically what you come up with is $380 million. But that's even before you get to state taxes. So depending on what state you live in, assuming you live in Missouri or Illinois, those are going to be two vastly different numbers because Missouri has a lower income tax rate than does Illinois. So when you round it all out, at the end of the day, out of a $1 billion lottery, the amount of dough you're going to stick in your pocket is about $300 million. So it goes from $1 billion to $300 million. Now, I know the counter-argument. You're probably screaming at your radio right now, but what's wrong with $300 million? Well, there's nothing wrong with $300 million. That's a good chunk of change. Now, I'm not saying it isn't, but when you're advertising a billion-dollar lottery, and the reality is you only get 300 million and that's assuming you're the only winner. It's it's kind of a bait and switch. Hey, it's a billion dollar lottery but we're really only going to give you 300 million. So, in from that respect, there's uh, there's a lot of a failure here to deliver on what is promised. Now, 
everyone likes to talk about the odds of winning. And when we come back from this break, I want to talk to you about the odds of winning. And I'm also going to talk about what are some other things that are more likely than you winning the lottery. Remember, phone lines are open. Text line is open. 314-436-7900. Don't go away. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're talking Mega Millions Lottery here on Camo X. And uh, I looked at the odds today. Of course, everybody's talking about this lottery, and I broke down for you before the break the numbers. Uh, and again, even after if you win, if you're the only winner, you get three hundred million. That's a lot of money, but it's it ain't a billion. But what are the odds that you could actually win? Well, according to the experts, and according to the numbers that are used in the way that they're drawn. You have one out of a 302 million chance of winning. One in 302 million. Actually, it's one in 302,575,350. If you're keeping score at home, uh, that's your chances of winning the lottery, which, of course, is, is not, not very good odds. But let me put it into perspective for you. The odds of you being crushed by a meteorite are a lot greater. Yeah, that's right. The the chance, according to National Geographic, and I I looked this up today. National Geographic says that your chance, the odds of you being hit by a local meteorite, asteroid, and and or a comet, any of those things are. Let's face it, that's a bad day, right? If you get hit by any of those. Our, your chances of that are 1 in 1.6 million. 1 in 1.6 million. So you're far greater. There's a far greater chance of you being hit by a meteorite, asteroid, or a comet than winning the lottery. And, and this stat I find to be fascinating because you're thinking if you're playing this Mega Millions, you're going to become a billionaire. But even if you win, you're not. Okay. 
but your chances of becoming a billionaire outside of winning the lottery are actually greater. To me, that's incredibly ironic because uh, according to Money Magazine, your chances of becoming a billionaire are one in 409,000. So you have a far greater chance of becoming a billionaire by not playing the lottery than you do by playing the lottery. How's that for a statistic? Uh, we all have heard that uh, your chances of dying in a plane crash, we know that's not necessarily that interesting. But if one of the things is if you are a member of the Catholic Church, actually you don't even have to be a member of the Catholic Church. Your odds of being canonized by the Catholic Church are even greater. So this took some numbers on my part. But out of 100 billion people who... A hundred billion people who have lived on the planet Earth, 5,000 were recognized. And that means the chances are 20 million to one of you becoming a saint. 20, 20 million to one, which is better than 302 million to one, which is, again, the chances of winning the lottery. So you could become Saint Gertrude. You you could become Saint Henry, and your chances are better. Uh, there's some other statistics here. I won't bore you with this too much longer. But <laughs> but being becoming a U.S. president, your odds are better. According to The Motley Fool, which is, of course, a very well-respected uh, financial uh, organization, your chances of becoming president are 1 in 32 million. Uh, to me, that's the, the interesting part, except for We've talked about uh, uh, the plane crash, and we've all heard the stats about being bit by a shark. And it seems like these days, if you're watching the news, your chances of being bit by a shark recently are actually on the rise. So I won't even give you that stat. But here's my favorite. What if you ask any 7- to 10-year-old person what they want to do when they grow up? Chances are, number one, I want to be a TikTok star. Okay, that's what they'll probably tell you. I want to be a TikTok star or an influencer. But I still think you're going to get a pretty high percentage of kids who say, I want to be an astronaut. Well, your chances of being astronaut are really pretty good. Uh, are 1 in 1,500. You have a 1,500 to 1 shot at becoming an astronaut, which is a whole lot better than than winning winning the lottery. Now, the other stat that I saw is uh, about playing golf, but you know I don't I don't play golf because I'm no good at it, right? So I don't do that. But this is the most outrageous comparison: your chances of going to the emergency room with a pogo stick related injury are greater than you winning the lottery. So don't don't spend that money all at once because uh, chances are you're not going to get it. Also, speaking of spending that money all at once. This is a number that I've seen economists give regularly over the past couple of decades. You think that if you win the lottery, you're going to be set for life. But as recently as today, the stat was reported at CNBC that 60% of all lottery winners either go bankrupt or lose all their money in five years. Let that soak in. How in the world can you lose all of your money in five years? 60% do. And there's a very simple reason for that. Actually, there's several. 
scammers, relatives with open hands and empty pockets, and uh, and also typically most folks who play the lottery on a on a big basis aren't the best at money management. And a lot of people are. You know, we heard from Greg Damon earlier who said he and his wife buy, buy one lottery ticket uh, every week or every month. And for two bucks, they have a lot of fun talking about what they would do if they won the lottery. That is fantastic. And I applaud you, Greg Damon. That's a great thing and a great use of $2. But a lot of folks who don't have any money go out and buy lottery tickets because they think, well, if I could just win, this would take care of me. I'm in I'm in the hole financially. I can't pay my bills. I, I, I owe too much money for my house, what have you. But those are the folks that when they do win, they go out and buy a car. I actually knew a lottery winner. I, I knew a friend of a friend won the lottery. And this person won uh, a couple million dollars. And the first thing they did was they went out and bought a Corvette. But unfortunately, the person who won the lottery, and again, this was a friend of a friend of mine, didn't buy any insurance. They just went out and bought a Corvette. And you know what happened? They started doing like 150 miles an hour in the vet when their previous car was a Yugo and it never went faster than 40 and they wrapped it around a telephone pole. So boom, there was a hundred grand gone. So they went out and bought another Corvette and this time they bought insurance, but then they wrecked the second Corvette. So because they never had a Corvette before, so by golly, I'm going to go out and buy a couple of vets. So it's that kind of financial uh, acumen here that they're applying when they win all this money that that money disappears very quickly. So all of the experts, and if you've watched any news this week, you've seen it, all the experts say the first thing you do is hire a good lawyer. Well, listen, that's the best advice I could give anybody, and my wife would give you the same advice, hire a good lawyer. And I'm teasing, of course, but uh, but hire a good lawyer because they're going to guide you in what to do and what not to do. Also get a financial expert. And the first, though, the very first thing you do if you win a lottery like that is you sign the ticket and you have somebody shoot video of you signing the ticket. And then there's this little thing called a safe deposit box. You've got to secure that ticket and you don't let it ride around. One of the lottery winners he went to, this was about 20 years ago, he went to a strip club and he had $400,000 in a suitcase that he left in the car at a strip club. And by golly, someone busted into his truck and stole $400,000. Now, that guy is not a Mensa candidate. First of all, he's going to a strip club. And that tells you all you need to know. And then secondly... Who carries $400,000 in a briefcase and leaves it in the car at a strip club? So, yeah, again, not a Mensa candidate. But, uh, uh, but yes, sign it, get a safety deposit box, uh, make sure you secure that ticket. All of those things are things you do if you win the lottery. But, you know, if you don't win or if you don't play, you can't win. So chances are I'm not going to win because I, I probably won't be playing. When we come back... In addition to the lottery, there's a bill in Congress about legalizing marijuana. And we're going to talk about that. And then I want to hear from you. Is legalizing marijuana a good thing? Yes or no? We'd love to hear your opinion on that as we dive into this federal bill 
that's being sponsored by Chuck Schumer. Uh, and you know the phone number is 314-436-7900. We're going to go to a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk some weed here on At Your Service. I should have I should have come out of that break with a Cheech and Chong song. Now, Matt Pajeski, you don't even know who Cheech and Chong are. You don't even know, do you? I know of them, but no, okay. I never saw their stuff. Well, uh, they were they were a comedy group in the seventies, and basically it was all just uh, stoner humor, is what it was. And I, I've I've never I've never smoked pot once in my life, but I found those guys to be hilarious. Uh, just because it was, it, again, it was stoner humor, and I knew a lot of stoners, and it was all very, very funny. Uh, but uh, but no, Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer has got a bill in the Senate, and it's one of those bills that's kind of uh, floating around. We're not sure if it's going to get anywhere. But essentially, it's going to legalize marijuana at the federal level. Now, many states have legalized it, but to me, it's a, such a contradiction that if you're in Illinois that makes recreational marijuana legal, it's still illegal and it's still a scheduled drug under federal law. So our federal government is spending tons of money interdicting drugs that many states say are perfectly legal. And to me, I'm not taking a position on whether it's good or bad about marijuana, although I've got some thoughts on that. It just seems contradictory. It's one of the many things our governments do uh, that are contradictory. But we were we were talking about some economic issues earlier tonight, and economics, folks, plays an enormous part of this issue of marijuana, because for every single state, that's what we heard in Illinois. We heard it in Colorado years ago. Every state, California, made the same argument. And that's this. If you legalize marijuana, you get to tax it and the government makes money off of it. That's how every single state that's legalized marijuana has sold it to the to the American people. And there is some truth to that. I'm not denying that there's tax revenue. But what's interesting is we're looking at California as a model because the federal government wants to do the same thing. The federal government, in fact, in this bill that Chuck Schumer is proposing, uh, it, it, it's it, the, the whole point is it's going to tax and have an enormous tax on marijuana. In fact, the excise tax starts at 10% in the first year, and every year that marijuana is legal, then it rises up to 25% in the fifth year, if it becomes legal on a national level. Now think about that for a moment. Because states, many states will tax marijuana up to 25%. So if the federal government has a 25% tax and the state government has a 25% tax, you don't have to be Stephen Hawking to figure out that's a 50% tax on marijuana. And here's to me... Here's to me where the economics, this to me is fascinating because the biggest issue in marijuana or in California right now when it comes to this marijuana issue is that the illegal marijuana is still being sold. Now, how can that be? We were told, 
we were, I heard the ads. I've heard the policy arguments. I certainly heard it with regard to Illinois and Colorado, that if you legalize marijuana, it will drastically reduce the amount of illegal weed that's being sold. And, of course, we hear the arguments it's, it'll help our children because that's the only way anything happens in Washington is it's for the children. And it'll help our kids because we're going to regulate the weed. We're going to make sure that if they're smoking weed, it'll be safe weed. It won't be tainted with fentanyl or anything else. It'll be nice and safe. It'll be regulated. We're going to make money for the government, and we're going to save our kids. What a pitch from the politicians. But in California, the only thing that happened is that the cost of illegal weed suddenly dropped in price because it was expensive when it was illegal because of, guess what, supply and demand. The demand is high, the supply is low, so the price is high. But once the government started allowing weed to be sold legally, all of a sudden the supply becomes greater. And what does that do to the price? It plummets the price. But now if a bag of weed in California costs of that is taxes. So guess what happens? The illegal weed sellers come in and they say, well, if you're going to go buy the legal weed for $100, I'll sell you mine for $75. So they undercut the legal weed. So it doesn't decrease the amount of illegal sales of marijuana at all. All it does is lower the price. And in turn, if you lower the price, what does that do to demand? It increases the demand. So now where kids couldn't afford to get high when it was illegal, now they can go score a dime bag on the corner because it's cheaper to buy. So all the things that we're being told is going to happen, none of it actually happens. None of it actually happens. So to me, I find it fascinating that politicians who know nothing about economics try to convince a public on the economic benefits of something when it defies all the laws of marijuana laws of marijuana. Listen to me, laws of economics. So, but this new bill will also tax vaping products. It's going to allow the FDA to impose restrictions for the protection of the public health. Well, isn't the actual use of marijuana unhealthy? So how how is it that the FDA is going to regulate marijuana sales to make sure that they uh, uh, that they appropriate there's the appropriate protection for the public health, but by selling it in the first place, it's damaging the public health that they're supposed to be protecting. Uh, it seems like an enormous enigma uh, wrapped in a contradiction, if you ask me. But the question becomes, is it a good idea? And I understand the arguments, and I think there are valid arguments on both sides. But should we have legal weed, yes or no? What do you think? 314-436-7900, call or text. We'd like to hear from you on this because this is coming. And here's the reason why it's coming. Governments want money, period. That's what they want. They want money. That's why taxes go up. That's why government's always fighting over taxes. They want more money. So when they want more money, they're going to institute these laws, particularly with regard to legalizing marijuana, in order to get more tax revenue. So governments are going to push this issue. And in fact, this November, here in Missouri, it will be on the ballot. It will be on the ballot to legalize the recreational use of marijuana. 
we already have, it's already legal to use marijuana medicinally. If a doctor writes a script for it, you can go buy it. It's perfectly legal. But recreational marijuana could become legal this November. We'll see how that turns out. I haven't seen any polling data on that, but I'm going to be researching that before the next time I talk about this topic. But the question isn't, will it eventually be legal for for the uh, recreational use of marijuana? Because it will be, and I promise you it's just a matter of time. The question is, is it right? Is it good? Should we do it? And that's the issue that we're going to have to decide as voters here in Missouri uh, come November. Now, Matt, I want to pick on you again for a moment. Do you do you shop at Walmart at all? Not really, no. No? What is your, even though you're not a frequent Walmart shopper, what, is, and, I, and I never prep Matt when I'm asking him these questions because that would ruin the spontaneity, but what is your, and I'm not knocking Walmart, Walmart's a great American success story from a corporate perspective, but what typically is the general consensus about the nature of Walmart shoppers? Well, if you're going to Walmart, you're probably going to see maybe some Hoosiers. <laughs> in, uh, I guess if you're not from St. Louis, you don't know what a Hoosier is, but it's, uh, yeah, it's people who are maybe looking like they're a little disheveled, and that's kind of a stereotype of the Walmart clientele, but yep. I think it's kind of true. You know, I have to be in court. You've heard me tell the story, but I have to be in court a lot in down in Springfield, Missouri. And during COVID, I was making the joke that when I would go to Walmart in Springfield, Missouri, I was impressed that the customers were wearing masks. Unfortunately, they were not wearing pants. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> so yeah, you you nailed the the general consensus of Walmart shoppers. But you, you, this is something I, I wish I would have seen this. I really truly do. I wish I would have seen this. But there was a Florida man, and I don't even need to go any further. If you if it's in Florida. You know it's going to be funny. Just by saying a Florida man, you're already ready to laugh. But a Florida man, I'm having trouble getting this out. He's behind bars on DUI charges because he was driving his motorized scooter under the influence through Walmart. Through Walmart. Through Walmart. So apparently he was weaving in the aisles, going down Walmart, going in into the Walmart, not to it, but inside the Walmart, because they have those scooters for folks who are who, who don't have trouble walking, who can't walk very right. well. And I'm glad they do. But this guy was obviously intoxicated, and he was so intoxicated that the cops were called, and they, and they arrested him for DUI. I'm just glad he didn't drive out of the store and try to take that baby on the street. That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> See what this thing can really yeah. do, right? But the, there, there, there's two issues that come up here. First and foremost is how long was he in the store that someone saw him, called the cops, and they came, he's still, what, doing donuts in the sports <laughs> section? Yeah. You know, what's he doing? Is he is he cruising the deodorant aisle uh, up and down, harassing the customers? I don't know what he was doing. It's not in the story. But uh, that's the first question. But the second question is this, and this is a legitimate legal issue. Did you know that you can, in fact, in all states, be arrested for DUI for operating a scooter? I did not know that. Yeah. In fact, a friend of mine, it's a, it's a, an attorney friend of mine. I can't give his name. I can't give the circumstances. But he represented a guy here in the St. Louis area. It was actually, I think it was in St. Charles, which, again, insert joke here. But a, a guy was 
driving his lawnmower while intoxicated. Mm. And the cops saw him, you know, apparently he was like weaving through his yard and they came over and they gave him a ticket for operating his lawnmower. See, the, you can't do it on a lawnmower because your 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 trail, you know, you you leave a trail when you, you cut the grass, <laughs> so it's easy to see. Yeah, it's you're like, swerving. It's like, pow! Those lines are not straight, man. <laughs> yeah. Not even close to right. being straight. Uh, but so I looked this up, and under under uh, Missouri law, and the case law supports it, that it, it defines the vehicle as any motorized vehicle. So that means this dude on a scooter in Florida, you're busted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy on the lawnmower in St. Charles, you're busted. So uh, you could be on a Segway and get arrested for a DUI if you're intoxicated because it all falls under the motorized vehicle, which I think is funny. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my dad was best friends with the county sheriff in Southern Illinois. This is a true story. And a guy was walking out of the Moose Lodge. Now, you, do you, Matt, do you even know what a Moose Lodge no. is? In Southern Illinois, Moose Lodge is like the Kiwanis. It's like the Elks Club. Okay, I know what the Elks are. Okay, the Moose Lodge is exactly the same as the Elks Club with a different name and different people. What's, what's with the, uh, the antlered animals? And, and, and no, apparently it's a big thing if you're drinking. Okay. <laughs> if you're d- doing a lot of drinking, you like having horned animals yeah. <laughs> in your facility. So the Moose Lodge is just like the Elks Club. And this guy was coming out of the Moose Lodge in West Frankfort, Illinois, and he had the keys in his hand. This is before Fobbs. And he was scraping his car, but he couldn't get the keys to go into the into the key, into the lock to unlock his car to get in and drive home. Yep. So my dad's buddy pulls up. He's the sheriff. And he pulls up and he says, hey, Earl, what are you doing? You know you're drunk. What are you doing? Well, Earl tells the county sheriff. His name was Bob, and everybody called him by his first name. Well, Bob, I've got to drive my car because I'm too drunk to walk. (laughs) And so, he, of course, he took him home, didn't arrest him because he hadn't been operating a motorized vehicle yet. So Sheriff Bob picked up the guy, drove him home. He said, you can get your car tomorrow. Great, great guy. But I'm just thinking, what was this dude thinking in Florida? Like, if I'm on a scooter, I can't get arrested? And uh, But uh, apparently no one came to him and said, you might be too drunk to walk, but you can't drive the scooter. So keep that in mind if you want to go out and mow your yard and drink in a beer. Just uh, make sure you keep it under .08. Hey, we got to take a break here. We'll be back here for the final segment on At Your Service. Don't go away. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Hey, thanks for sticking with us here on the last segment on At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, one of the things one of the things that we've been hearing a lot from the left is complaints about the Supreme Court. Of course, this last term was a blockbuster term dealing with abortion, with gun rights, with vaccine mandates, with mask mandates. This was a blockbuster term. So, of course... The left took a hit on a lot of these decisions. And so now we're hearing a lot of criticism about the institution itself, not just about the decisions, but about the institution. And uh, there's a bill in Congress right now to expand the court, 
to put term limits on the court, which, of course, is unconstitutional. Section or Article 3 of the Constitution specifically says they're appointed for life. So that's going nowhere. That's just to appease uh, the MSNBC crowd. That's not going to go anywhere. But Kagan, Justice Kagan, who's on the court, of course, she actually said this week, and I'm quoting here, that the Supreme Court needs to have a connection to the public. And here's what she said. She said, I'm quoting, quote, I'm not talking about any particular decision or even any particular series of decisions. But if over time the court loses all connection with the public and with the public sentiment, that's a dangerous thing for our democracy, unquote. She said that yesterday. And when I heard that, I had a lot of concern as an attorney because it's not the court's job to comply with public opinion. Their job is to interpret and apply laws to the Constitution. That's the court's job, Supreme Court's job. And it bothered me when she said that and insinuated that the court has to cater to public opinion in order to save our democracy. Because let me just give you three quick examples in the three minutes that we have left here about why that's a bad idea. The first thing is the Dred Scott case. Yes, the one that was initially decided right here in St. Louis, just a few blocks from where I'm standing right now. The Dred Scott case is perhaps the worst decision ever rendered in the history of the Supreme Court when it held that 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 African-Americans, whether free or slaves, could not be considered American citizens. It was the worst decision ever. But what's interesting is, is that it probably appealed to the majority of Americans because the vast majority of all Americans in the 1800s were white and a lot of them were slave owners. And so if the court was pandering and had to appeal to, to public opinion in order to have legitimacy, then according to Judge or Justice Kagan's opinion, the Dred Scott decision was a good one because it complied with public opinion. Well, of course it wasn't. It was the worst opinion in the history of the court. So going against public opinion is not in of itself a bad thing. How about the case of Buck versus Bell? You've probably never heard of that case. That was a 1927 decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. It supported, it was an eight-to-one decision, almost a unanimous decision that was written by the famous Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, and it upheld the forced sterilization of people with intellectual disabilities. Believe it or not, it allowed to sterilize individuals to keep them from having children if they were intellectually disabled. For the, and it was so called for the protection and health of the state. I guarantee you that probably 90% of Americans in 1927 agreed with that decision, even though it was atrocious, it was awful, and it was barbaric. But it complied with public opinion. So it has to be good, right, Justice Kagan? Of course not. But the greatest example that I give is Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. It established that separate but equal was was constitutionally okay. And that decision was, again, supported by a vast number of Americans. And it wasn't until 50, over 50 years later that it was overturned by Brown versus Board of Education, one of the greatest decisions ever in the history of the court. 
So my point is this. We cannot allow justices to decide Supreme Court decisions based upon public sentiment, because if we do, we're going down a road to destruction. And I don't want to see that. And of course, you don't either. Hey, I'm glad you stayed up late with us tonight here on Camo X. You're going to want to stick around because coming up after the break at 10 o'clock, we have the best of the Dave Glover Show. You know Dave, DGS, you got to love it. Stick around on Camo X. See you next week. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.